This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. We are brought to you today by The Replay with L and Al. Have you ever wondered how your favorite NBA players spend their time off the court? If so, The Replay with L and Al is a perfect podcast for you. They discuss everything from endorsement deals and power couples to fashion choices and social media. Listen in every week, and we promise you'll be hipper than Joel Embiid's pregame dance routines. Check out the replay on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts, or check it out at The Step Back. Hello, and welcome to Hoop Quiz, the Step Back Day-to-Day podcast game show where two players battle to the pain for NBA trivia supremacy. I'm your host, Jason Mann, and we have two very special guests for the inaugural edition of this game show. First is David Rammel. He is the co-host of the Lockdown Heat podcast. He writes for several outlets, including the Step Back. David, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jason. I'm honored to be part of the inaugural podcast. So... What are you enjoying about the Heat this year? Uh, not a whole heck of a lot, to be honest with you. The reality is that, you know, obviously Miami's in a rebuilding season, and uh, they're building a team around veterans like Goran Dragic and Hassan Whiteside and trying to develop a, a young core of players. But most of those players have been facing a number of injuries. Justice Winslow has missed 16, uh, 16 straight games. Um, you know, Josh Richardson has missed a, a considerable amount of time as well. And so they've also got a number of other veterans that are on short-term deals like Derek Williams, Deion Waiters, James Johnson, and others. And so there isn't much consistency throughout the season, unfortunately, and it just makes it for makes for some pretty ugly basketball at times. And um, they're, they're looking to build for the future, but at this point, we're not really sure what this team has to develop uh, as far as what their the young players are concerned. We're not really sure what holes there will be left to fill at the end of the season and moving forward. So... Uh, and, and Dragic, who has been arguably Miami's best player, is probably going to be traded by the end of the season. So there's a, a, not a lot to enjoy as far as this season for the Miami Heat. Yeah, it seems like you know there's they, there's enough young talent and some interesting pieces there, and it's it, you know theoretically could be a nice laboratory for you know to to, to kind of find you know, like a Dean Waiters who's sort of been on the margins there for him to break out or something like that. But uh, yeah, obviously with so many players like that and, and, and such an uncertain future for the team, that it can make that situation difficult. Absolutely, uh, you know. It, it, you know, Dion's been a, a occasional bright spot and, uh, you know, even guys like James Johnson. But, you know, he's only here for one season. Who knows if he'll be a consistent part of this team moving forward. And, and you know, it makes it difficult because, again, you don't know what you have. And, and you'd like to see these players mesh and, and, and know if maybe, you know, you might have a good building block for the future. But, you know, with all the number of injuries piling up, it just makes it much more difficult to to prognosticate what's going to happen with this team moving forward. Yeah, well, that's uh, it's an interesting challenge, but a challenge nonetheless. Sure. You recently wrote a piece on Derek Williams searching for stability. Of course, he was a number two overall pick in 2011 and has bounced around the league a lot. He is with Miami right now. Um, what can you tell us about the piece and what you learned about uh, him by talking to him? Well, basically, you know, he, he continues to find uh, or look for a place where his his talents can be put to good use. 
Um, his career has been one mired in, in mediocrity. And part of that was because of the fact that he's played for a number of teams. Obviously, he was drafted second overall by Minnesota and then played for Sacramento, also played for the Kings. So neither of those teams, uh, the model of, of stability. And, and Derek suffered as a result. He also had a number of head coaches. I think this is his eighth overall head coach now as he enters you know, his one-year deal with Miami. So he was looking to uh, for a place that has historically been very stable and, and very good at at finding you know players and and being able to get the most out of them, but unfortunately Miami is in the midst of their own rebuilding efforts right now, and that's a you know obviously a position they're not used to, and so for Derek I think the struggle continues, and uh, you know he, he was expected to be the starter at the beginning of the year, and then he wound up sitting on the bench for the first six or seven games, and then playing here and there, and so it's just been a, a continuous struggle for him, and I'm not sure that at this point uh, he's ever going to get the chance to really prove that he was worth of, worthy of being the second overall pick. Yeah, one interesting thing is that you asked him if he could pinpoint a reason why he hasn't been able to find much consistency. And honestly, he didn't have a specific answer. It looks like he's grappling with it as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, he's a really intelligent guy and a, a lot more honest and open than I would have expected about you know the fact that he has struggled throughout his career. Um, and I think he was optimistic when I spoke to him, and that was right around uh, the start of the season. I think um, you know it was opening night against Orlando when I got a chance to talk with him. And, you know, he was obviously much more uh, positive about what was going on this season with the Heat. And uh, he, he was looking to put it all past them and, and find a, an opportunity to become an integral part of the team. And, he, you know, he wanted to work through those issues. And I guess he just hasn't had the opportunity to do so in Miami. And um, also welcome to the show, uh, Philip Rossman-Reich. He is the editor of Orlando Magic Daily and host of the Locked On Magic podcast, also writes for the uh, Step Back. And uh, Phil, welcome to the show. And what are you enjoying about the uh, Magic so far this year? Uh, that they have a functioning defense. It's it's nice that the uh, for four years, the Magic have kind of been lost in the wilderness of a rebuild. And they finally forced an identity. And it's been a real joy to watch a, a team play uh, defense. It's a, a little bit more subtler taste, I think, than, than a team with, with a strong offense. But uh, I've really enjoyed watching this team's defense grow over the past two, three weeks. Yeah, they really have. I mean, they, it was kind of a rough start, and there's definitely some mismatched pieces, it felt like, there. And it, it seems like it's uh, starting to, you know, find an identity, finding a group that works, and, and finding a connection. Of course, we'll see if it lasts, but there's been, it's been a long time since they've made the playoffs. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Yeah, definitely, and, and obviously they still. I think they still got a little bit more work to do. They're they're not quite there yet, and, and consistency is an issue, especially because, like you said, uh, those problems with how the team fits together and how the roster fits together are still there. And, and I think the Magic are still figuring out a lot of this, these pieces, but but they found something that works, and so I think uh, that's something to build on as as the season continues. You recently wrote a piece for the Step Back about how NBA big men are evolving amidst the you know small ball revolution, so-called small ball revolution we've been having over the last um, recent years. Uh, what did you find in that? You know, I, the big thing that I found is is you know when you talk to a lot of coaches, it's uh, they they seem to go kind of the opposite direction that a lot of the, the media has gone in saying, oh, small ball is the future. Everyone needs to play like the Golden State Warriors. They all said, look. Golden State's the anomaly. They're they're the you know they're the crazy team, and yeah, big men are changing and they have to do some different things. But most teams still play with two you know at least quasi traditional big men. No one's going to Draymond Green at center lineups very often. Even Golden State doesn't do that as often as people think. And so there, there's still a place for the big man in the league. He may have to do some different things. He may have to step out and shoot a little bit more and be a little bit more mobile and less back to the basket, but. 
the teams that win are still the ones that have, you know, some some big men who can clog the paint and, and protect the rim a little bit. You know, it's interesting to me that it seems like every player who is, say, around 23 or younger who has massive potential and who we see as a future superstar is either a big man or a very tall wing. I can't really think of anyone who is a who right now is playing in a way that we would say, oh, they might be the next young superstar guard. Yeah, yeah. There's not, there's not a lot of them, and you know, maybe maybe this year's draft will will change that with some of the guys that are supposed that are supposedly coming up. But uh, a lot of the a lot of the players are right. A lot of the players that we get excited about are kind of these athletic freaks who are are six nine, six ten, six eleven, long arms, extremely versatile, can step out and shoot the three. Uh, they do things that we've never really seen before from players that size, and uh, a lot of it has to do with with I think a lot of the European influence and just the way basketball is being played these days. Uh, with so much three-point shooting, and so they're finding value uh, uh, being, you know, the quote-unquote unicorns of guys who have length and athleticism to to defend the rim, but can also step out and, and shoot and spread the floor to give guards more space to drive. So, excellent. Next, we will uh, go to the warm-up, where we'll just have three questions. They are up for grabs, uh, just for fun. No points or award here. Anyone can answer. I decided, uh, given that um, David covers the Heat and Phil covers the Magic, we would talk about the uh, have questions about the Magic versus Heat rivalry. So, the first warm-up question, who has scored the most points in a Magic versus Heat game? Uh, oh, that's a tough I be- one. Oh. I believe that answers Dwayne Wade. That is close, but that is not correct. Ah. Dwayne Wade, he, he has he scored fifty one points in a game. Any uh, I, yeah, I think any guesses? It, then there's yeah, only was one it Glenn answer. Rice? That is correct. He oh. had fifty six points for the Heat, uh, April fifteenth, nineteen ninety five, in a one twenty three to one seventeen win. Um, yeah, most of the answers here are Heat uh, players. Um, <laughs> LeBron James also. Scored more than 50 points. The, the two players for the um, the Magic who at the top were uh, Nick Anderson and uh, Shaquille O'Neal. So, all right, that was a good one. Uh, warm-up question number two. The Heat and Magic have made two trades in their history. Name one person involved in either trade. I believe uh, Shabazz Napier was traded from Miami to Orlando at one point. That is correct. He was traded in 2015 for a top 55 protected 2016 second round draft pick that I do not believe was conveyed. Um, the only other <laughs> definitely was not. Yes, the only other uh, <laughs> the only other trade involving the two teams was in 2007. The uh, Magic traded a 2007 second round pick and 2008 second round pick for uh, Stan Van Gundy to become their uh, head coach. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Stanko, Barack, and Darnell Jackson were the two um, players uh, picked, neither who played for the Heat. Fun fact. Uh, so warm-up warm question number three. In the only playoff series between the Heat and Magic in 1997, which player had the most assists per game? Ooh. Most assists per game. Most assists. I, w- I would say Tim Hardaway. I was, yeah, I would say it's probably going to be Tim Hardaway. That is correct. Tim Hardaway had 9.8 assists for the uh, Heat per game in that series. Uh, tied for second were Penny Hardaway and Daryl Armstrong, who each had 3.4. Wow. Jeez, not a lot passing that series. <laughs> Apparently not. It was the isolation days. You know, the uh, isolation was all the rage uh, at that point. But um, so, you know, what this leads me to, to think about 
just the, the fact that the Heat and the Magic, despite, of course, being the two NBA teams in Florida and, you know, relatively um, close, I know it's several hours away, but certainly there is a, you know, regional rivalry in other aspects in sports. But for whatever reason, despite the two teams, you know, having quite a bit of success at different times in the 25 or so years since they existed, it never has seemed like it is a major rivalry, at least not looking from the outside. What, what do you guys think about that? I mean, I think the big the big thing on that is the two teams just haven't been good at the same time. I mean, when we think about great rivalries in the NBA, we think about playoff battles and, you know, intense regular season games and Really, the only there's been maybe two years where both the Magic and the Heat were good at the same time, and that was the lockout short in 1999 season, when I believe the Magic and Heat tied for the Atlantic Division lead, and Miami won it on a tiebreaker. Of course, they lost in the first round to the Knicks, and the Magic mm-hmm. lost in the first round to the Sixers in that in that play in that crazy playoff uh, uh, season. And then I think the only other time they were both good at the same time was 2011. Uh, and the Magic were on the decline after their finals runs in 09 and 10, uh, and the Heat were on their way up, having just gotten LeBron James. Uh, and those were really the only two years that the two teams were were good at the same time. I mean, they they met in the playoffs in 97, like you said, but that was a 2-7, and Miami was the 2, and it took Penny Hardaway going crazy in games 3 and 4 to even extend that to the decisive fifth game where the Heat, the Heat won. And so uh, they, they, just, they haven't played any really meaningful games uh, over the course of their 27, 28 years uh, in the league. Yeah, I, th- I think that sums it up pretty well. And, you know, part of it was also the fact that these teams had to kind of grow their fan base. I, I remember uh, when when the Heat first came to Miami, um, you know, a lot of their fans, I think, were basically from other parts of the country who had grown up watching basketball either in New York or Boston or other places like that. And there wasn't much a te- of a team in Miami for them to really root for. And so, you know, that, that kind of fandom started to grow organically. And then, you know, for, for Orlando, I mean, once they acquired Shaquille O'Neal, obviously they were, you know, getting much better. And, and Miami was still kind of trying to develop their own players, guys like Ronnie Cycli and Glenn Rice, who never quite reached superstardom. And so it was just, it was difficult for them to see each other as a rival, especially when Orlando was so much better than Miami was early on. And then once they acquired... Alonzo morning, you would have thought that maybe there'd be more of a, a rivalry with Shaq in Orlando, but that never really panned out, unfortunately. Yeah, Shaq, of course, left, you know, pretty soon after that. Yeah, the um, 97 playoffs. Shaq left because Shaq apparently left because of that. <laughs> if, if you watch if you watch this magic moment, uh, yeah, the Heat in uh, 1997, they uh, had uh, Alonzo morning, Tim Hardaway, PJ Brown, Jamal Mashburn and Dan Marley. The Magic, of course, Penny Hardaway, Daryl Armstrong, Nick Anderson, Ronnie Cycli, of course, better known for being part of the Heat, uh, Dennis Scott, and Brian Shaw uh, deep on the uh, bench. So um, interesting rosters uh, during that time. But it's interesting how the points that Phil brought up is, yeah, they have not ever really been excellent teams at, at the same time other than you know very, very briefly in those times. So I guess you know the one big thing is that they do share one very important player in their history. Shaquille O'Neal, of course, played for um, – both teams, uh, the Magic early on in his career, and then, you know, the Heat uh, toward the, not exactly at the end of his career, but at the end of him being still a dominant player in the league. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, he, he certainly changed the way that, that franchise moved forward. I mean, it was, uh, you know, coming off of Dwayne Wade's rookie year in 2003-04, and then to acquire him automatically put Miami in title contention, really for the first time legitimately, although they had hopes that maybe that those Alonzo morning-led teams 
might be able to turn into a championship winning team that never really panned out because of the New York Knicks. Thanks for bringing that up, Phil, by the way. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, as far as, you know, Shaq, he had an immense impact there. And, and I mean, you could all you could you could say that because they were able to win a championship in 2006 and have that, quote unquote, championship culture that so many people like to talk about. That's probably what led to them acquiring LeBron in 2010. So it absolutely changed the franchise for the good. Yeah, you know, hopefully someday, of course, we'll, they'll have a rivalry because I, I just think that there's some potential there for something, you know, really interesting. Although both teams obviously are kind of a long ways away from being excellent again, but it would be it would be kind of a fun uh, thing for both of them to be good at the same time and for that to, um, you know, to to be the talk of the NBA world. But we'll, we'll see. Of and course. and I, I mean, and I'll and I'll add this on the rivalry front. While it's not a national rivalry, I, I do think at least in Orlando. There is always an added intensity to that game. I do think that it it is kind of a, a I do think it is a quiet rivalry. I do think it means a lot to the players, especially on the Magic for the last four years because they they really struggled to beat Miami. I think they have only uh, one or two wins over Miami in the last four years, and so uh, the Heat always bring a lot of fans because they have they you know, they still have some some of the stragglers from the LeBron era. No, no offense, David, uh, but that Miami fans do pack the Amway Center, and it it there's definitely an extra intensity to those games when when the when the Heat do come to Orlando. It's just hasn't really developed into kind of the big national rivalry that that maybe uh, you would think it would be with the way those franchises have gone. So now it's time for the quiz. There are 10 questions in all. Each of the players will alternate having the first chance to answer a question. Uh, Phil, you get to elect whether you want to answer first or answer last. Uh, I will uh, defer my choice to the second half, so I will kick. <laughs> okay, all right. So uh, I will read each question in full, and then the designated player will have a chance to answer for three points. If they don't know the answer, then I will read the four multiple-choice options. And then if that player guesses tr- correctly, they get two points. However, if they're wrong, the other player gets a chance to steal for one point. And if they try to answer the question without multiple choice options um, and they miss, the other player can steal for uh, two points um, without multiple choice options and one point after I read the options. So if it isn't clear to the listeners at this point, we'll play the game and I'm pretty sure it'll be clear to you um, at that point. So you guys ready to go? Let's do it. All right. So David, first question goes to you. Who was the 2006 most valuable player? The sixth most valuable player. Was it Steve Nash? That is correct. You get three points. Number Question number two goes to Phil. Who has the most sixth man of the year awards since the year 2000? That would be Jamal Crawford. That is correct as well. Three points. You guys are doing doing excellently so far. So, uh, so David is next. Uh, question number three: Who had the most steals between the 2000 and 2009 seasons? So, the decade of the 2000s. 2000 through 2009. Is it Allen Iverson? That is correct. Wow! Oh, very good. I would not. That would be one I would not have guessed. Yeah, I don't know why I assumed Iverson was up there in steals, but I, I picked correctly. I'm glad it did. Yes, he had 15-21 for uh, those 10 seasons. Uh, Jason Kidd was second with 14-72, so very close. It would have been my guess. Yeah, right. That would probably have been my, my guess, too. Yeah, and um, Marion was next, and then Baron Davis. So, uh, oh. So question number four goes to Phil. 
Who has led the NBA in total points for a season the most times since 2000? So this is at the the leader of total points, not not just not points per game or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it's and, total. And so yes. not not total points accumulated, but total times leading leading individual seasons. That is correct. Okay. Hmm. I, I feel like this is a tr- this is a trap question, so I'm going to ask for the multiple choice here. Okay. All right. So the uh, choices are Kobe Bryant, Carmelo Anthony. Kevin Durant and Allen Iverson. Yeah. Hmm. I'm going to go with Allen Iverson again. That is incorrect. He only did it one time and um, Kobe did it four times. Kevin Durant did it five times. Carmelo uh, never accomplished it. Oh, you know what? I just realized I just screwed that up because (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> give him give him the point give him the point for your mistake it's okay <laughs> no i, I want to earn my points philip thank you <laughs> inaugural show hiccups okay inaugural show hiccups indeed so i'll try to remember not to do that again so it goes back to dave for uh question number five ben wallace won four of five possible defensive player of the year awards between 2002 and 2006 who else won the award during that five-year stretch? 2006. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to elect for the multiple choice option on this one. Okay, the multiple choice options are Kevin Durant, Ron Artest, Marcus Camby, Jason Kidd. It's Camby. That is not correct. Oh wow. See, my guess wasn't even even on there, so I'm glad I'm glad you got the multiple. You put the multiple choice in there. So, so what is your guess, Phil? So, my guess would be Ron Artest. That is correct. He won it in 2004. Uh, Camby did win Defensive Player of the Year in 2007, and then Garnett, Ooh. of course, won it in 2008 uh, when he went to the Celtics. Jason Kidd never won Defensive Player of the Year. Right. Right. Wow. So, okay. So I have so Phil got one point there, and I have the uh, score um, six for David and four for Phil. Still in this thing. <laughs> Question number six for Phil: Who was the 2013 Rookie of the Year? 2013 Rookie of the Year. Oh, I I, I should know I should know this. It's it's no hold on. No, ooh. give me the multiple choice. I'm, I'm getting my draft classes confused here. Uh, understandable. So the uh, cho- <laughs> choices are Michael Carter-Williams, Anthony Davis, Damian Lillard, or Kyrie Irving. Oh, you just you had to throw that name in there. Um, I, I believe it was Damian Lillard. That is correct. Okay, good. All right. So you get Michael Carter Williams is a 2013 draft. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I, I was a little tricky there. So yes, yeah. you guys are Magic in... fans would not have Magic fans would not have forgiven me if, if I if I guessed that wrong. So <laughs> I, I had to make sure I got that one right. <laughs> there you go. Uh, number seven, going to David. Uh, okay. One player has shared two All Star MVPs since 2000. Who was he? Hmm. Uh, I don't know. Can I get the multiple choice options? Yes. Uh, Chris Paul, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, and Kevin Durant. 
Hmm. Is it Bryant? That is not. Phil, do you have a guess? Well, I know Kobe and Shaq shared the MVP one year, so I'm going to go with Shaq. <laughs> that is right. Yes. they. <laughs> Kobe and Shaq shared it in 2009, and Shaq shared it with Tim Duncan in 2000. Wow. So, so Phil gets a, a point there. And, um, and then he, he gets the next question. Question number eight. Who was the oldest player to win most improved since the year 2000? feeling this is another one that that i'm gonna be shanghaied if i don't get correct so uh give me give me the give me the multiple choice real fast all right the choices are hita turgalu goran dragic jalen rose and aaron brooks Hmm. i'm gonna go with hito turgalu that is correct. He was 28 mm. years old in 2008. Uh, Dragic and Jalen Rose were both 27 when they won the awards. Ooh. So you get two points for that. And David has the next question. Question number nine. Milwaukee has had the longest drought without an all-star in the NBA. Who was the last Bucks all-star? Is it Michael Red? That is correct. Nice. All right, you have now you've now tied this up. And nice. and uh and Phil has a chance to uh has a chance to win it here if possibly with uh, if he can get this question right. Question This is number... why I defer. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but like but like the magic, like the magic they often, <laughs> often lose in the fourth quarter. So let's I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to turn the inbounds over. Don't worry about this. <laughs> so we do have a uh, we do have a sudden death tiebreaker if it comes to that. So uh, just uh, just uh, for for reference, um, question number ten: Which Finals MVP since two thousand has had the most win shares in a single postseason? You do Oof. not. You just need to choose the player. You do not need to choose a specific season. Okay, just need to choose the player. Most win shares Oof. in a single that's postseason. That's, so that, so it, it includes the whole postseason, not just the finals. I mean, I feel like I should just take a stab in the dark guess because just say, just a- asking for the multiple choice isn't going to help me out very much. I, I'm, I'm sure I could guess the, the four, the top four pretty easily. Um, since 2000, I, I'm going to go – I, I got to go LeBron James. I, I don't think I can avoid – I cannot guess him. LeBron James is not correct. Mm, um, that's too obvious. The uh, the choices the the multiple choices are uh, well LeBron James. But we know that he is not the answer. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal, uh, Dirk Nowitzki, and Tim Duncan. Wow. And I will go with Duncan. That is correct. Ah, at the buzzer. There you go. <laughs> So you pick up a point, you win 10 to 9, and uh, Duncan had 5.9 win shares in the 2003 postseason, LeBron 5.8 in the 2012 postseason. Oh, wow. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Dirk actually had 5.4 in the 2006 postseason, even though, of course, the Mavericks lost that year. Um, He only had 3.6 in 2011, which actually was behind LeBron with 3.8 in 2011, even though he had those really bad last couple games in the finals. And uh, Shaq had 4.7 in the year 2000. So, 
And, and thanks again for bringing up the 2011 finals, Jason. That was, that was a great times yeah, in Miami. Up, he brought up he brought up the 2006 finals for you first. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. A good point. And the 2012 <laughs> finals too. So and the 2012 finals. I yeah. mean, you, you got right. you got All some right. good one. You know what? Since this is we're not going to count this as for the winner of the game, but since I accidentally screwed up the uh, one question, would you guys like to just do the tiebreaker just for fun? Let's do it just for fun. Okay. Absolutely. All right. So. Uh, Name all of the players who have been all-stars as either a Raptor, a Grizzly, or a Bobcat. So you guys take turns um, naming a player, and the first person to get who gets one wrong is technically the loser of this tiebreaker. Is that, that understood? That's That sounds fun. Okay. Okay. Uh, David, I guess I'll give it to you first. As a Raptors player, Grizzlies player, or Bobcat player. That is correct. Wow. So I guess I'll go with the obvious one, Vince Carter first. Yep, that is correct. Uh, Marcus All. Yes. Damon Stoudemire. No, Damon Stoudemire, oh. unfortunately, not a um, not a member. The uh, the other ones: uh, Kyle Lowry, Demar Derozan, Chris Bosh, Antonio Davis, uh, Pau sure. Gasol, Zach Randolph, and for the Bobcats, Gerald Wallace. That's right. I was trying to think who was, yep. yeah. Who, <laughs> yes. So a uh, a Hornet has not. Kemba, Kemba didn't make it last year, did he? No, no he, didn't. he didn't. Yeah, yeah the. Um, It'll be this year. The Hornets have not had one since the uh, name changed. You know, the new Hornets have not had one. So. So so fun fact, but yeah, I think Kemba's a, has a pretty good shot of uh, beating it this year. So. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for uh, taking part in the uh, first two quiz. It was a uh, quite enjoyable experience and uh, really pleased to have you both on. Yeah, it was great. Uh, I'd like to do it again sometime. All right. Yeah, def- definitely. Definitely. Uh, happy to happy to try and embarrass myself with, with some hoop knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So everyone, everyone enjoyed this and uh, you can find us at the step back at fansided.com. And you can find us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast by searching for The Step Back. And you can follow me on Twitter at Jason Mann Ohioan and follow the underscore step underscore back for uh, all the updates for the show. So thanks for listening, and we'll be back again soon. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.